And so we begin the 9-11 passage of the book of Romans, that is, chapters 9, 10, and 11 of this book. And I want you to know what an adventure this is and what an exploration of such importance, really. Um, The 9-11 passage of the book of Romans is very rare. It is unusual, and it's very difficult to understand unless you have the wider a paradigm in mind all the time, the wider picture of God's salvation of the world. Quite honestly, years ago, I used to approach, whenever I was teaching the Book of Romans uh, through in the radio, the radio broadcast, as you know, has been going for 25 years. But in the beginning, when uh, I would do this cycle of uh, teaching in the Book of Romans, I'd get quite nervous when I arrived at Romans 9 through 11. It seemed to me just incomprehensible. Certain passages were straightforward, yes, but there were others that just didn't seem to make sense, and I couldn't see the relationship of this passage, this uh, this 9-11 passage, chapters 9, 10, and 11, with other parts of the Bible, that is, with other parts of the book of Romans. It all it seemed that uh, almost seemed that there were two books, uh, Romans one through uh, eight, and then nine through eleven and onwards. I uh, couldn't see the connection, but I have I have come to see the connection, and it is absolutely glorious. It is mind blowing to me. It never ceases to be a, a a wonder of what Paul wrote here. Let me try to make some connections today then, uh, even though we won't go into the details of those connections until we go start going verse by verse in this uh, book, in this uh, passage. See, Paul in chapters 9 through 11 is asking the question, what about Israel? But why is he asking that question? That's the question that we now need to ask. Why is Paul asking the question? Well, because previously, that is prior to this chapter, there in chapter 8, verses 31 to 39, Paul has said that if God is for us, nothing can be against us. He has said that it is God who justifies, declares innocent. He has also said that it is Christ who um, has uh, given his life for us. It is um, Christ who died and furthermore is risen. Then he says, as you know, I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow! Nothing in the world and the universe, in life or death, in all the troubles, can separate us from the love of God. Then the question naturally follows, then why hasn't God saved Israel? That's the whole point of chapters 9, 10, and 11. But Paul points out that, wait a minute, uh, God isn't saving in the way that you think he's saving. Um, not all Israel, he says, is naturally, is spiritually Israel. That is to say, there are plenty of people that are Israelites that don't have faith in God. 
Now, that's very often misunderstood because the church then says, oh, well, Paul's talking about spiritual Israel. He doesn't care about literal Israel. Well, that's a complete mistake, and we'll see that as we go on. Paul is talking in uh, with two threads of history in mind, both spiritual Israel and literal Israel. And he goes on to say that God is going about electing some people and hardening the rest. Well, that's mind-blowing right there. I mean, what's that about? We'll see what that means later on. But he's saying that God selects certain people out of the world to represent him. Now, uh, what we surprisingly discover in this book, in the in this passage, the the nine eleven passage, is that everybody's elected. Israel of old is elected. The Gentiles are elected. Uh, a remnant of Israel is elected. The whole world is elected, but some are called at uh, uh, sometimes, and others are called at other times. The calling is what the salvation picture is all about. But what do those called people do? Well, they witness to the glory of God and to the fact that God has made them tre- uh, precious treasures in his kingdom. But to whom they are they witnessing? Well, to the ones who have been hardened. Now, hardening is not as this book is going this passage is going to reveal, hardening is not sending people forever to perdition. It is not a state of eternal loss. What hardening does, according to Romans 11, 11 and 15, that is 11, chapter 11, verse 11 and verse 15, is that it makes the Israelites, can you believe this, jealous, envious, ragingly so. They kill Christ But then, as the time goes on and in the judgment, they find themselves envying all those whom God has saved as a result of their having killed Christ. In other words, the the, uh, hardening that Israel goes through leads to the crucifixion of Christ, which leads to the salvation of the Gentiles, which leads to Israel's envy of the Gentiles, which calls, uh, finally causes all Israel to turn back to God. It's astonishing. This book, this chapter, this passage, I keep saying book, but it's in a sense it's a separate book, but no, it's not really. It's a passage that is truly astonishing. And thus he says all Israel's going to be saved. And this is why uh, it makes sense for him to ask the question what is why isn't why hasn't god saved all israel in the light of the fact that nothing in all the universe neither depth nor height nor any other spiritual thing can separate us from the love of god nothing can separate us from the love of god then why is israel separated from the love of god and paul is explaining why They are still separated, and how they are going to be drawn to him, finally and ultimately. And so he comes up with these verses, as you are familiar with, I'm sure, in chapter 11. And so all Israel will be saved, as it is written, the Deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for, the sake, for your sake, but concerning the election, 
Notice that concerning the election, they are beloved. Incredible. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. In other words, when God calls Israel, it will never be revoked. Boy. Now, you see, this is not just about Israel. It's about the whole world, because Israel is a type of the whole world. What God does for Israel, he does for the whole world. And thus Paul says in the next verse, verse 30 of chapter 11, For as you were once disobedient, referring to the Gentiles who were uh, hardened themselves, As you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy... Through their disobedience? (laughs) Through whose disobedience? Israel's disobedience. Well, what did Israel's disobedience lead to? Their rejection and crucifixion of Christ through and via the instrumentality of the Romans. And so salvation came to the Gentiles by the disobedience of Israel who killed Christ. What an astonishing concept. And so then he says, For as you were once disobedient, that is the Gentiles, yet have now obtained mercy through their, the the Israel's disobedience, their disobedience, even so these also have now been disobedient. Who? The Israelites. These also have now been disobedient, that through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy. That is, through the mercy shown the Gentiles, the Israelites will also uh, receive, obtain mercy. And what will the result be? For God has committed them all to disobedience, that he might have mercy on all. These chapters, I'm telling you, are the high—well, <laughs> oh, I'm, a, I'm getting ahead of myself here, because I tell you very often that the high point of the book of Romans is chapter 5, verses 12 to the end of the chapter, because that speaks about the two Adams, the, the first Adam uh, who sinned and fell with Eve and, uh, and uh, brought the whole human race down. But the second Adam, Christ— He brings the whole uh, justification or the declaration of innocence to the whole human race. As Adam brought ruin to the human race, so Christ brings salvation and rescue to the human race. That's the high point of Romans, really, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, it is. But I can't resist saying that this is the high point of Romans, too. This fact that God is going to rescue the whole planet— Here he says, again I read it to you, For as you, the the Gentiles, were once um, disobedient, unbelieving, willfully unbelieving, hardened of heart, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience, that is, through Israel's disobedience, because Israel's disobedience led to their rejection of the Messiah, which led to his crucifixion, which led to the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the world. Even so, these also have been now been disobedient, that is, the Israelites, that through the mercy shown you, that is, the mercy shown to the Gentiles, they also may obtain mercy. That's Romans 11, verses 30, 31. And then the climax. For God has committed them all to disobedience, 
That is, God has committed all to disobedience. The word them is not in the original. For God has committed all to disobedience that he might have mercy on all. God has bound us all up and trapped us all in willful unbelief. We, we, we turned away from him in Adam. We were um, under the uh, power of Adam's sin. We suppressed God like he did. And the result was that we found ourselves in a bondage, in a, a habituated habit, in an addiction to suppression and unbelief. And God um, willed that to happen, allowed that to happen. Why? so that he ultimately may have mercy. If you aren't beginning to be mind-blown, then read Romans 9 through 11 for yourself. Thank you for listening. This is Colin Cook, and this is How It Happens. You've been listening to a broadcast on the good news of the gospel described in the book of Romans, which I go through each year or year and a half, and I invite you to listen in every Monday through Friday at 10 o'clock in the evening, repeated at 4 in the morning on KLTT AM 670 in the Denver and Colorado and surrounding states areas. You can also hear the broadcast any time of the day or night on your smartphone or other remote device, simply download a free app, soundcloud.com or podbean.com, or go direct and key in how it happens with Colin Cook, by the way, uh, or go directly to uh, soundcloud.com slash faithquest or faithquest.podbean.com. I do look forward to your support and help. This 25-year-old program uh, keeps going by your support. And I have to say, listenership is down, and we need support. I wonder if there are maybe 10 or 20 people who would start donating at $25 or $50 a month. Could you do that? It would be so much appreciated. Send your donations to FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160, or make your donation online at faithquestradio.com. Thanks so much then, and I'll see you next time. Cheerio, and God bless.